0: I'm Ray Suarez, and you're listening to America and the Middle East, what lies ahead on America Abroad. The unrest that roiled the Middle East over the past year has raised fears among the Obama administration and its regional allies that Iranian power will fill the void left by deposed Arab autocrats. It's the newest U.S. concern in a troubled relationship with the Islamic Republic that dates back over 30 years. Deborah Amos reports.
1: The American hostages were blindfolded, handcuffed, and marched out on the U.S. Embassy's front steps by the revolutionary students. Much of Jimmy Carter's presidency was marred by images of scowling mullahs splashed across television screens every night for 444 days. That's how long the revolutionary Islamic Republic held over 60 American hostages. The demonstrators burned the American flag, blindfolded and handcuffed at least some of their American hostages, and paraded them in front of the embassy building. But Iran, or Persia as it was once called, counts the United States as a relatively new enemy. There's a much longer history of rivalry between Iran and its Arab neighbors, rivalry that stems in part from Iran's sense of its own powerful history.
2: I mean, Iran's national epic is a poetic retelling of some of the great wars of the Persian Empire.
1: Suzanne Maloney is a senior fellow with the Saban Center at the Brookings Institution.
2: And so this sense of identification with this history is something that is inculcated and has been for generations among all school children.
1: It's not only schoolchildren that are caught up in this conception of Persian grandeur. In 1971, the Shah held a massive gala at Iran's ancient capital of Persepolis to celebrate his nation's storied past.
0: Persepolis, the birthplace of Persian history 2,500 years ago. Here today, in celebration of the monarchy's 25 centuries of existence, Iranian soldiers recreated the military splendors of those ancient times.
2: Reference the the kind of epic celebration that he had uh, on the date that he decided was the anniversary of the great victory of Persepolis. And he had a fantastically lavish party there, flowing with caviar and champagne.
0: Illustrating ten major Persian dynasties, the parade began with Cyrus the Great, who issued the first Charter of Human Rights after the conquest of Babylon in 529 BC.
1: Past Persian conquests fed the Shah's future ambitions.
3: The Shah certainly viewed himself naturally as a successor to those great monarchies of the past, Cyrus and so forth.
1: Ray Take is an expert on Iran at the Council on Foreign Relations.
3: And he aspired to the same level of regional prominence and regional influence.
1: The U.S. backed the Shah's efforts to become a regional power. Iran served as a critical buffer against Soviet aggression and a stabilizing force in the turbulent Middle East. To help support its ally, Washington opened the U.S. armory to the Shah.
3: In the last year, Iran has purchased arms from the United States which constitute some of the largest sales the Pentagon has ever consummated, perhaps $3 billion worth of new arms and equipment. The concern that they had was that the Shah would maintain the security of the Middle East. And if he required arms of whatever category, short of nuclear weapons, then that would be provided for him.
2: So Iran was a a kind of rising power with sharp elbows and big ambitions, and that kind of a player doesn't always get along well with his neighbors.
1: Iran's Arab neighbors were troubled by the Shah's sharp elbows, but they were terrified by what came next. In 1979, a popular revolt toppled the Iranian monarch And then the chaos that followed, an Islamic revolution swept Iran.
3: It was, as far as the people were concerned, total victory. The man they had condemned, the man they had said must be brought down, had finally gone. And the city went delirious with joy.
1: That revolution was led by the revered cleric Ayatollah Khomeini.
3: They danced and they cheered, and loudest of all, they called for the return of a man they see as taking the Shah's place, the exiled religious leader, Ayatollah Khomeini.
1: While Iranians celebrated, nearby Arab states viewed Iran's new revolutionary Shiite republic as a grave threat.
3: Well, suddenly a regime comes into power which rejects the legitimacy of the regional order, monarchies or otherwise. But this seeks sort of Islamist regimes throughout the region as an aspiration. So it's the status quo powers versus revolutionary Iran, secular powers versus Islamic insurgency.
1: That division soon turned into a devastating war.
3: Good evening. Iran and Iraq continue today to pound one another with airstrikes and artillery barrages. Vital oil centers in both countries were reported in flames, casualty counts mounted.
1: Hoping to take advantage of Iran's military disorganization after the revolution, Saddam Hussein invaded his neighbor. The fear in Baghdad and other Arab capitals was that Iran's Islamic revolution would spread across the region.
3: So when Saddam stepped forward to stop the contagion of Khomeini's revolution especially in the Gulf, they were largely supportive of it. And they would go on to substantially subsidize Iraq's war
0: effort.
1: With the Gulf states bankrolling Saddam's military machine, the war became Iran versus the Arabs.
0: This is a war fought in trenches of gas masks to protect against chemical weapons, It is a war of artillery duels across a no-man's land whose only value is as a military prize.
3: The longest interstate war in Middle East history, eight years. Trench warfare, chemical weapons.
1: By the time the war ended in 1988, both Iran and Iraq lay in ruins. And Iran was a pariah in the region. But just a year later, Ayatollah Khomeini died. The Islamic Republic's foreign policy became a little less about revolution and a little more about rebuilding the nation. And when Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait in 1990, Iraq replaced Iran as public enemy number one in the Middle East.
2: The Gulf War was a sea change for Iran. You can look at that period as the first of many, many points in time at which Iran has been a, an unintended but very lucky beneficiary of changes in the regional order.
1: Iran got lucky again over a decade later when the U.S. invaded and this time overthrew Iran's mortal enemy, Saddam Hussein. And in the power vacuum of a fractured and weak Iraq, Iran exerted its influence.
2: You know, the Iranians see their own security very much through the prism of Baghdad. Um, This was their greatest threat. And They were determined once given the opportunity to ensure they would never face that kind of threat again.
0: President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad flew into Baghdad today on the first official visit by an Iranian leader since one million Iraqis and Iranians died in the war started by Saddam Hussein in 1980. And
2: so they made every effort, invested in every opportunity, and took every risk to ensure that they covered all their bets in Iraq.
1: Today, Iran's influence in Iraq is only part of the reason that the U.S. and its Arab allies worry about the Islamic Republic's regional ambitions. There's also concern about Iran's nuclear program.
0: Good evening. The United States is moving toward a face-off with Iran over weapons of truly mass destruction, nuclear weapons.
1: And Tehran's growing influence in Lebanon. Since its 2006 war with Israel, Hezbollah has been rearming in southern Lebanon and much of its support, money and weapons come from Iran. Now, another opportunity for Iran as the Middle East order is overturned.
2: At the moment, they look at the region in the aftermath of the Arab uprisings and they see a very fortuitous change for their interests.
0: I'm Ray Suarez, and you're listening to America and the Middle East, What Lies Ahead, on America Abroad. I'm joined again by Ken Pollack and Michael Duran, both of the Saban Center for Middle East Policy at the Brookings Institution, to talk about America's future presence in the Middle East. Thanks again for joining us. We heard at the end of that piece Suzanne Maloney saying that Iran views the Arab revolutions as a positive change for their interests.
4: Michael Duran, do you agree? Has it been that? No, I think it's more complex than that. Um, if you think about the international politics, of the Middle East is a kind of a contest between Iran and the United States or the Iranian alliance system and the American alliance system. The Arab Spring or the Arab Awakening is a kind of a wild card. It doesn't uh, discriminate between American allies and, and Iranian allies. So the United States lost, uh, in a sense, if you look at it as a power game, the United States lost uh, Hosni Mubarak of Egypt, but uh, the Iranians are poised to lose Bashar al-Assad of uh, of Syria. And Assad is an incredibly important asset to the, the Iranians because he's the he's the gateway of Iran into the Arab world. So I think it's um, at best a mixed bag for the Iranians. Ken Pollack, a strong and recurring motif in our report was this theme
0: of rivalry between Persian Iran and the Arab Middle East, that many in the Arab world have long feared Iranian power and influence. How should that, how could that inform America's Middle East policy going forward?
5: We should never make the mistake of believing that Arabs want to be like Persians, that they want to be like Iran, that they want to adopt the Iranian system of government. Uh, they don't like the Iranian system of government, and you see a lot of resistance from them anytime they feel themselves being put upon, dominated by the Iranians. In some ways, that's helpful to the United States. It's helpful in the sense that there is kind of a a, a natural tendency on the part of Arabs to want to push back on Iran. But by the same token, you know, this is the manifestation of a certain kind of a chip on the shoulder of many Arabs. And they do see Iran today as being a very powerful country, uh, in many ways, much more powerful than, than many of their states. And so there is also a sense on their part that if they can't be protected, if they can't get help to stand up to the Iranians, then they may not have the strength on their own to do so. And so it is why you often see some Arab states willing to compromise with the Iranians, to accommodate the Iranians.
0: Meanwhile, Michael Duran, uh, the face-off between the United States and Iran has not stood still while these other things have settled out. Rhetoric between the U.S. and Iran is heated up. New sanctions have been proposed. Uh, There's been a lot of tough talk coming out of the candidates for the Republican nomination for president about how they would handle Iran in the future. How should the U.S. deal with Iran in the short and medium term?
4: Iran has developed very clever asymmetric tools to counter American power. They're not a match for us. Uh, in terms of conventional military power, uh, they're not a match for us by any stretch of the imagination. On economic power, but through organizations like Hezbollah, through the Kuds Force, the the Revolutionary Guards' clandestine arm, uh, they are capable of uh, of reaching in to the domestic politics of the Arab countries and coercing Arab elites. Nouri al-Maliki, for instance, in in Iraq. Uh, I'm sure that when Nouri al Maliki goes to bed at night, he considers himself to be an Iraqi patriot. He's a Shiite, but he's also an Iraqi patriot. He has no desire personally or in terms of his politics of Iraq to be seen as a client of Iran. However, he knows that the Iranians have reached into his society and they have developed uh, uh, tools that can intimidate him. And as a result, he tilts toward Iran now. This is what we have to be worried about, is that coercive ability of the Iranians. Thanks very much,
0: Michael Duran and Ken Pollack. We'll come back to you both after the break. Coming up, we'll take a look back at U.S. policy toward Afghanistan and Pakistan in the 1980s and 90s, from the fight against the Soviets to American disengagement and the dangerous instability that followed. I'm Ray Suarez, and you're listening to
5: America and the Middle East, What Lies Ahead on America Abroad.